Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was just, I was just like, hey, yeah, how's it going, Elliot? Uh, yeah, not much happening here. What are you doing? Oh, okay. Oh, I guess I should hit record. Welcome to Two Designers Walk Into a Bar. A place where pop culture loving creatives discover design icons that make us tick. And we share a few cocktails in the process. Yep. What was interesting to you when we first were talking that a couple months ago? Um, mm-hmm. I was cleaning my porch and you were, and you called me, which that was interesting to me. And then, yeah, and then I had were... a conversation. So what was interesting about that to you that, that got us this far? If I remember correctly, one of the things that kicked the conversation off was you and I were talking about Mort Drucker having passed away. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the famous, of course, Mad Magazine, among many other jobs he had over his 90 what 91 years and or what something a like giant that. influence he yes. was and we started talking about how great mad magazine was and mm-hmm. uh we pretended that there were studies that were done that said if you read mad magazine you certainly had a higher than average iq and things like that i think they actually published that study in mad magazine oh well, that's where i saw it we were talking about that and we were talking about how we had both grown up looking at his illustration style and mimicking how he drew hands and uh, faces and illustrators, Don Martin, Bob Clark, and then just some of the funny things, whether it be pop culture parodies of movies or TV shows or politics or products or celebrities, and uh, really just talking about how, as creative people, things like Mad Magazine or later, you know, Spy Magazine mm-hmm. or The Onion, just how all these different things really, there was a common language there. You and I uh, are 10 years apart in age. Not 10 years apart in terms of maturity level. No, I think we're both no. about 10 years old in terms of maturity level. Exactly, yeah. So you, but, you're right. Like, there was a common vocabulary there with a span of time that allowed us to, to kind of uh, analyze the similarities and the differences of these pop culture events. Yeah, so it's this common language, common vocabulary, and going back to like Mad or Spy Magazine or The Onion or whatever, we all knew these people who you would show this magazine to, you know, these of course were all tangible things, these were all physical printed things. 
and you would show this to people, and pieces would instantly click into place. They mm -hmm. would instantly get it and be right there with you. You didn't have to deconstruct or explain why something was great. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they just, or why it was funny. I forget the quote exactly, but there's, there's a quote about comedy that dissecting a joke is like dissecting a frog the joke is as dead as the frog and you just have to like let it ride right mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. with regard to humor mm -hmm. so we all know the people who would get something when you showed it to them or explained something to them and then there'd be other people who you would show exactly the same thing to and you would have this conversation like well i just don't understand why you think that's funny and you know you're you're on the other side of the table thinking how can you not find this funny mm -hmm. like how is this mm -hmm. not funny to you mm -hmm. i'm a firm believer that humor is a filter that's where we I... started identifying our tribes isn't it yes yes very much so and to me i just want to hang around with people who you can be yourself with you can be comfortable with you find them to be entertaining but there's also just a shared zeitgeist. You can riff with people mm -hmm. and you don't have to um, explain all of this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, that's uh, yeah, in interesting. In the first podcast that we recorded about 1976, you referenced that kind of common language and uh, the bicentennial logo that, that tied together um, really a couple generations of, of people. You were talking about meeting people and having that in common, and it was such a historical thing, and it had an impact on everyone. That's kind of the same thing as you were identifying your tribe. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Did I ever tell you that when I met William Shatner, we had him sign the Mad Magazine with the parody of Star Trek on the cover? That's pretty amazing. Now, I, I'm sure just by virtue of William Shatner being William Shatner, <laughs> he would be willing to sign anything with a likeness on it, even oh, yeah. if it's making fun of him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but he was, he, he sort of feigned like surprise. Well, what is this? I haven't <laughs> seen this in a while. <laughs> if you close your eyes, you thought it was William Shatner right here, didn't you? Uh, well, I was, I was, I was wincing during that impression. So I guess technically my eyes were in fact closed. My ears were also closed. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, don't apologize to me. You really need to apologize to William Shatner. Yeah, to, and 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 the seven listeners that we uh, we have right now, uh, and, now it's, and now Tom it's, Cruise. It's, so if you're keeping yeah. score, I've pissed off Tom Cruise and William Shatner. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And if you think about uh, William Shatner's most famous character going into space, we've really managed to piss off most of the people in the known universe. Yeah, I think we got it now. And I think that the taste level idea also carries over into design. I think most designers are visual thinkers, they're verbal thinkers, they construct things, they deconstruct things. Why does this work? What do I like about this? What can I learn from it and use in my work? All these sorts of things. I don't know about you, but I won't name any names, but uh, I definitely know some designers who are very good at what they do, but you meet them. And I'm not even talking about like, quote unquote, household name designers, just like people I've known over the years. And you meet them and they're just not funny. Yeah, They're just yeah. like a librarian or something. Works great, but I'm like, how? I'm just a huge believer in 
take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. Oh man, yes, absolutely. I was having a conversation with one of our mutual friends yesterday who said exactly the same thing and was railing on um, creatives that uh, either have uh, gray pompadours or shaved heads. Like you have to have <laughs> one of those, you know, to, to be yeah. so super serious about yourself. And it's like, get right. over it, dude. Like the story, uh, you remember this, um, but uh, the other uh, six listeners probably haven't heard this as much. The story of when I was looking through um, a CA annual, laying in bed uh, with my, my wife. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and my wife is like, well, "Hey, honey, what are you reading there?" I'm like, "It's a, it's a CA annual. It's kind of like you know the the Bible of our industry and the the top notch um, work that's happening right now." She said, "Let me see it," and I showed it to her, and she's like. It's just brochures and shit, though. I'm like, yep, okay. It's a book with pictures of other books in it. <laughs> it no, it's a book with pictures of websites. <laughs> That's even better. Wait a minute, be, you can't click on that page. <laughs> it'd be cooler if it were like a flip book of a website. You could actually scroll up and down the page or something. But it really did, you know, in, in that, which uh, I remember that all the time. It humbles me. Um mm -hmm. It makes me try to be better, you know, as I, as I know you try to always better your last um, project. And it also is a way for us to say, and I think the, um, the core of this podcast is, as you just said, take your work seriously, don't take yourself seriously. And if you do take yourself seriously, fuck it off. Well, I think if you, if you aren't so locked into... I need to do this or, or think this way or be this way or whatever. Everyday life and pop culture, if you just have your radio tuned right, man, it affords you so much content and so many things to like build on and use and deconstruct and reconstruct, like I was saying earlier. If you go a whole day and you don't just stumble upon something funny, you're just not looking hard enough. Mm -hmm. There is always something, mm -hmm. and it might be you, but there's always something to laugh at. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean that, of course, in a cruel or vindictive way. You know, like when you go to the playground and push down little children and then laugh at them. Like, you know, that's I'm not into that kind of pastime like you are. But, yeah, uh, well, if it's a slow day, you have to do what you have to do. To get I, guess, I guess, yeah, you got to fill time somehow. Right. But I think that there's always... There's always just, yeah, life life hangs a curveball over the plate. You just got to make sure you got a bat and you're willing to swing it. Yeah, absolutely. And everything, uh, in all of our conversations, and this is why uh, I enjoy talking to us so much, um, we always find the the irony and the clash of, of highbrow and lowbrow and uh, various cultures and the realization that the world is handing you some gold, Jerry like every day and you gotta you gotta sop it up with a biscuit right i'm just throwing that one in there yeah how many metaphors did i use in that in those three sentences I, there well, was definitely a culture clash of the you know of jewish yeah. jewish jewish new york coupled with down home corn pone <laughs> you know like. by the way no one in the south ever says corn pone you know well, that's, that. I do not pretend to be from the South. I know, but I'm saying you live in the South now, and, you know, I am from the South, and no one ever says corn pone. I don't know I, what pone is. I've never, <laughs> I, I, I go, I'll go to the grocery store tomorrow, and I'm going to ask somebody where the pone aisle is. <laughs> 
They'll say, isn't that the ninth Hawaiian island? <laughs> Pone Isle. <laughs> Porn Pone. I decided to search for this while we're talking. Okay. Yeah. Noun. Well, actually, adjective. Corn Pone means rustic or unsophisticated. Well, uh, I guess that's what it should say on my driver's license then. <laughs> <laughs> You're certified to drive a tractor, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, in the South, you don't have to be certified. <laughs> right. That's how you learn to drive. <laughs> you just don't get caught. That's right. So here, here, we'll, we'll, we'll dive deeper into this. So pone, P-O-N-E, unleavened cornbread in the form of flat oval cakes or loaves, originally as prepared with water by North American Indians and cooked in hot ashes. It is Algonquin. Oh. And it's Algonquin for bread. Oh, is it? So it yes. translates from Algonquin to mean bread. Yes. And Okay, so... So when Dorothy now, Parker was at the Algonquin round table right, holding court, right. they, were, they were probably eating corn pone. I don't think it's the same Algonquins, but oh, we can imagine. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to do... That's more research we can, than we have time for right now. We can agree to disagree. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I'm going to find a picture of Dorothy Parker with the, the corn pone, Algonquin Indian, enjoying corn pone with an American Indian. So you in came up with our title, Two Designers yes. Walk Into a Bar. Yes. Splain. Well, I think going back to uh, what we said earlier about humor, that's like just the classic device two guys walk into a bar two whatevers walk into a bar a priest a rabbi and a nun walk into a bar i love that and, joke yeah and so i think it's just a good setup you can't have something serious if it starts out with that that yeah. premise <laughs> you know it's not like two uh renowned uh, heart surgeons walk into a bar right. you know or something <laughs> like that so and, and we're both far from that yeah Oh, yeah, you lost me at renowned, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's what a circle is, right? <laughs> um, so, Speaking of, you know what pone is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's revisit our earlier topic yeah, of conversation. That's right. Okay, so two designers walk into a bar. Yeah, and then why would you go to a bar? You go to a bar to obviously see people you know, but I think also these serendipitous intersections with people you don't know. I think we've all sat in a bar, there's a standalone bar, a bar in a hotel, something like this. And you just kind of look and there's certainly your regulars, but then you also have this cross section of sort of stray people who wander in, wander out. And it's fascinating to me that it's alcohol, conviviality, uh, hot men, hot women, D all the above. They're bringing mm -hmm. all these people together, right? It's So it's the social, just this whole social nature. I don't know about you, but over the years, I've gotten in some absurd conversations with some equally absurd people in in a bar. Things that you would never, over the course of an average day, talk about around the water cooler at work, for example. Convivialitydictionary.com. Did you okay, help got spelling it. dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly you're exactly right. And there's always something to talk about in a bar, and the topics can be a little uh, free form. They can go anywhere you want them to go. Uh, it's a time for us to um, 
to, to put our imagination hats on and to, uh, to think about things that could have been, to reminisce about things that were and that we love. Um, and so, yeah, I think it fits who we are really well. On a somewhat serious note, but certainly a pop culture note, we were together hanging out in a bar oh, in yeah, Raleigh when yeah. Princess Di was killed yeah. in Paris. Yes. You remember? Yes. It's kind of the bar is, is, you know, especially if you think about things like pub culture in England or cafe culture in France, it's your third place. Mm-hmm. It's not home. It's not work. It's the third place mm-hmm. where you go to unwind, where you go to be with friends, talk shit, all this different stuff. I think two designers walk into a bar is perfect because we're designers. You know, that's like the second word in our name. Anything, any conversation is certainly going to happen through that lens. But the idea of being in a bar naturally means it can go anywhere. And you're, you're open to serendipity, right? Whatever comes up, comes up. You sort of put things together, which again, I think is a wonderful metaphor for creativity. This is a lot of fun. I don't know about you, but my drink's running low. So Todd, how about we take a quick break, Mm -hmm. top off our drinks, and meet back here at the bar in a couple minutes. Sounds good, Elliot. My drink is running low too, but my bladder is running high. I'm not sure we can say that on this podcast. And speaking of, um, while the two of us may be the host of this joint, um, we're going to be bringing in uh, some friends to also chime in on on pop culture um, artifacts that make them tick throughout their time. You mentioned, for example, the Bicentennial logo, which, of course, is the subject of one of the podcasts, the year 1976. We'll talk about iconic movements. We'll talk about certain tribes or lifestyles. We talk about things like music. Mm -hmm. So there's all these different cultural touchstones that are these markers. Do you remember the first time you saw this? Who were you with when you first heard this? I forget the exact phrase, life is what happens while you're making other plans. You certainly have these peak moments, whatever, you get married, you become a parent, all these sorts of things. But there's also all these little sort of granular things that fill in the the white space between those bigger things. Mm -hmm. And there's also these little moments. You uh, hear a cool song for the first time. Uh, You taste interesting food that just on a lark, you know, you went out to a restaurant with somebody or whatever. And... uh, that's pop culture, too, in my opinion, is like, oh, I'll just pick up this magazine and read it. Oh, I'll, I'll download this app or, you know, go to this website and look at this thing. And you and I have both talked about one of our favorite websites for both of us is Wikipedia, man. You can mm-hmm. just go down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. with Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Where does it end? I uh, had to lie to my wife um, <laughs> because she said I was spending too much time on Wikipedia and I told her I was looking at porn. Yeah, I'm actually addicted to porn, not Wikipedia. Right, right. And she was okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, at least you're normal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it is. And you know why? It's the same situation. It's a clash of pop culture things that are um, all kind of coming together in one place. And I was thinking about that in in our conversations that we've had so far. And you're right. um, We get into the conversations through the lens of of design and iconic design, but it is by far not anywhere close to staying about design. We don't talk about typefaces and uh, and mm-hmm. things like that. 
as a matter of fact, we probably have talked more about music and bands um, that are relative to uh, some of the, the pieces that we've talked about and Mad Magazine and movies and things like that. It's because mm -hmm. this whole fabric of pop culture is tied together and these are the design pieces that we use as the touchstones are a nice entry point into those. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. Design, of course, is an applied art. It's in the service of people. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, everything that if you're discussing design, it's pretty impossible to not mention people because anything designed and put out into the world is to elicit a response. I want you to feel this. Mm -hmm. I want you to use this. Mm -hmm. I want you to think this. Mm -hmm buy this, whatever it might happen to be. I think really by talking about design, we are, and talking about pop culture, in reality, of course, what we're talking about is people and human nature and subsets of people, certain right, tribes right. that identify with a certain time period or a certain iconic design, piece of art or object or whatever. And I think that's what makes it special. I don't think there's anyone out, out there who would disagree. Good design um, is universal in the sense that it should allow you to engage with it mm -hmm. if you so choose. Mm -hmm. But it's not universal in the sense that you should instantly always get it or understand it. I think that is the same way you parse like a joke or certain elements of pop culture. I used to, when I was younger, I would look at something that wasn't meant for me, a store, a book, a this or that, the Hallmark Channel. And I would, <laughs> I would look at it and I would think, man, what a colossal waste of time. Like, why is this in the world? Like mm -hmm. who took the time and effort and money? And then you get older, you get more mature and a little less narcissistic perhaps. And it's like, hey, this wasn't built for you and that's okay. For everyone who loves vanilla, other people love chocolate, you know, mm -hmm. for as many Mac users as there are, there are the uh, misguided and unfortunate Windows users. So I think things can exist in the world and, you know, they're just not for you. Just like every joke you won't find funny, every movie I think is great, you probably don't think is great, but that's all right. Whoa, I, whoa, I... whoa, 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 whoa. What do you, we share some of the, our top movies. You asked me not long ago to name my top five movies. I and did. how many of my top five were also your top five? All six. All six of them. Exactly. And yeah. the most, the best movie of all time that we agree is? Airplane. Airplane. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is why we don't have comments on our website because we don't even want to fight that fight. It's not even worth it. It's a That's waste right. of our time. That's right. Two designers walk into a bar 
think it sets the stage. I think it sets certainly sets an expectation. Mm-hmm. I think it's equal parts wisdom and humor, which is so often found inside <laughs> the walls of a bar. Uh, and far far too often, one person's wisdom is another person's humor. <laughs> That's a great tagline. Wisdom, humor, and the sound of pissing. That's exactly it. And it's been... You know, one of the things that I found interesting in our conversations so far, uh, obviously the touchstones of these icons that we're talking about, and they lead us into talking about restaurants and hot rod culture and music and punk bands, all things that we love, and it's allowed us to dig into researching them a little bit more because we're sort of, we're students of the world, nerds of the world, I think, when it comes down to it. And what I love is to find out these bits of how this thing that I've seen for a long time or maybe my entire life, how it came to be and how so oftentimes it was, I just had to do something and it worked. And then next thing you know, it's being shot up into space on the side of a rocket or whatever. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I'm talking about a logo, you know, I did for a, a housing development, by the way. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not done. Um, yeah, but, yeah. but you no, know, what I mean is, so it, it's good for me as a practicing designer and illustrator, and I know you are the same as an entrepreneur and business owner. It's good to hear that there are real people behind these things that were so iconic, and they were just doing a fucking job lightning struck and it struck in a certain way at the right time or maybe they really ruminated on it for a while and nuanced this thing into being when i think about success with regard to design whether again it's a thing or a project or an object or whatever it is the thing that i envy for lack of a better word or i get jealous of is that When people crack the code and something is truly timeless, like the reason I like the bicentennial stars so much is I think if it were revealed today, maybe not the Helvetica type surrounding it, um, but the actual star mark itself, it's still beautiful. Like Mm -hmm. it still Mm -hmm. totally works. And it still means what it meant back then. And the influence is still there and the power and the impact of the the concept is still there if my work can extend beyond my life in some way but also inspire future design practitioners if i can make someone else's bicentennial star like that's that to me is cracking the code yeah the people i love in terms of design icons many of whom and i know you have as well we've been very fortunate over the years to have met Mm-hmm. A lot of these folks, mm-hmm. the work they do, I can still remember it. That's another thing, in addition to general pop culture, like the Mad Magazine things of the world, when you and I have talked about different stuff, we also can sort of pull from the deep files, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse mm-hmm. of our minds. Mm-hmm. We can pull out these iconic things that you and I both remember. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that poster you kind of made fun of it earlier like oh this typeface or or whatever but i can definitely remember certain things when a certain typeface came out or the first time i saw it in the context of this poster whenever i see the typeface blur for example i always think of neville brody Mm, mm -hmm. 
even if you were to use it and however you used it, I would look at it and think, oh, Neville Brody. If I saw Meta, I would always think Eric Speakerman. I really love over the last, certainly the last 10 to 15 years with the web and everything else, the democratization of design, that the barriers have gotten knocked down in terms of more people having ready access to tools and creativity and being mm -hmm. able to make things. Mm -hmm. Where I think sometimes it's challenging goes back to our Mad Magazine conversation because some of the history gets lost. That is one of the things about a design education, perhaps, that is a value. And the, and you don't certainly need to go to a four-year or whatever design program to, to understand design history. The context of how we got to now mm -hmm. and, uh, and what that means. And to your point earlier, oh, there were people behind these things that were made. Mm -hmm. And, oh, here is the reason these things were originally made. It wasn't just presented in a vacuum in some Google search, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Philip Meggs was one of my teachers in graduate school. And um, so that's the that's another name I didn't name know drop. that, that's wonderful. That was the first design text. No, that was the first uh, design textbook I had, history uh, graphic design. Exactly. So great, great guy, just humble and interesting, um, you know, all good things and obviously incredibly smart about the history of, um, of of this industry and its impact on the world, but so easy to talk to. And so my thesis was actually on, it was sort of tipped its hat to pop culture. It was how the collections of creative people influenced their work. And at mm. the time I was collecting Pez dispensers. Um, so I don't know how that happened, but, um, but I was talking to, um, Phil. Well, here's here's how it happens. You buy one, uh -huh. you say that's that's pretty cool, and then you see another one, but it's a little bit different. You say, you know, I want to own that one too. And then, but and, and then, then you, you just, say a thousand of them would be great. Yeah, and then your wife says, it's me or these things. Go get a mini storage unit. Yeah, and and yeah. you say, but honey, a lot of those aren't air conditioned. You sure you'll be okay there? <laughs> oh my God, that's brilliant. Philip Meggs, he seemed really interested in that. And, you know, and he said something to me that was, uh, it was so simple, but it was just one of those things, you know, it's just like that magic pearl of wisdom. And he said, you know, Todd, it's all connected. And I'm like, damn, Phil Meggs, you just dropped a big old pearl of wisdom right here. <laughs> what was the context? Well, of that? I, I was telling him about, he asked what my thesis was about, and I was talking about it. We were, we were having a conversation around, um, some of the things that I, I researched that people collected, and as I said, it did have a really strong bend towards pop culture. It wasn't like I interviewed very many people that collected um, Renaissance paintings from masters, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. it was like people that collected beer huggies and Pez dispensers and ephemera, like some, yes. I, I was able to speak to, and you know, Kit Heinrichs, obviously, um, famous flag collector and mm -hmm. shows up in his work. Uh, I have and, the book. Yeah, and just the power of stars and stripes, the strength of graphic shapes shows up in his work. Love his work. So we had those kind of conversations and the, just knowing that this guy who has spent tons of time and, and brain power 
to research the history of graphic design, you know, sort of sees it in a similar way now that we've been talking about it as it's all connected. The designers are thorough mm -hmm. and designers love detail. Mm -hmm. And sometimes other people don't appreciate thoroughness or detail. <laughs> you know, they, you know. Like your wife when you're reading a <laughs> CA magazine in bed. <laughs> in bed at midnight. Yeah. Yeah. That charm and that inspiration and that impact of that one thing that nailed us about mm -hmm. a piece and try to communicate that in an interesting, hopefully insightful and humorous way. It's almost like two designers walk into a bar and each of us have brought a date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the design thing is the date. So what's going to happen? You naturally introduce your date to the other person, to your friend, but then the two dates have to get along too, right? Oh, yeah. So it's sort of like, Cindy, hey, this is Betsy. Oh, okay. But then it's like, do these two people have anything in common? Can they find something that everybody can share and, and discuss? And I think that's really kind of the objective of what we're trying to do, whether it's Big Boy and Ready Kilowatt. Our right. theme is we know there's X in common because we have given each other this sort of purposefully vague assignment. Mm -hmm. And it's our job to introduce the dates and to look for the commonalities. Yeah. If people don't know about something, I want it, uh, us to present it to them. Mm -hmm. And I want them to use that as a mechanism for maybe seeing the world differently, culture differently, how things are designed and come into the world differently. And then have them maybe try to understand why we got excited about our stuff because they do research on it and then they start going in their own sort of wikipedia rabbit hole and they're like oh this same person designed this thing or huh i wonder what else this company put out olivetti typewriter what you know what mm -hmm. i mean i think it's our job to be sort of a springboard for this self-discovery for the listener i think you just nailed a good close right there and i think it's a good place to leave it all right, Todd. Thanks. See ya. This is great. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. Hi. While we have your attention, if you want to learn more about us and the podcast, there are a few ways to do it. Visit our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. All of that is spelled out. No numbers. Kind of a long URL, so do yourself a favor and bookmark it. Once you're there, you can find links to more information about the subjects in this episode, our episode archive, and information about both of us. Wait, we do want people to visit, right? Well... Oh, and look for us on social media. You can find those links on our website as well. And while we're at it, if you have a friend who you feel will dig on our rambling... Tell him or her what we're up to. While we can't guarantee that they will remain your friend... We can guarantee that they will listen to at least 30 seconds of whatever episode you send them the link to. <laughs> That's being a little shameless. And speaking of being shameless, it wouldn't be a proper ask if we didn't mention that if you like what you hear, you can also make a donation via our website. We have a Nigerian prince handling all transactions for us. In fact, he told us to mention that we have stickers to mail to anyone who donates $10 or more. Are we done? We're done. We're done. So, Jim, we got a problem with our podcast. Right. Nobody says it correctly. <laughs> no. Some people say how to fix it. Or how do you fix it? But think of it like this. Whatever the problem, we're in this together. 
How do we fix it? How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? Yeah, how do we fix it? The solution show from the political to the personal. Practical ideas for creative listeners. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? Ideas that work. That's your radio voice, Richard. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> I love it. I couldn't do it to save my life. Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.